tradition and the custom of the Lutheran Church to dedicate to the glory of God whatever it desires to set apart for use in the divine services of the Church. This morning we dedicate to God's glory the new organ pipes and all of the enhancement work that has been done to our Bosch organ during the past months, an organ which was long ago dedicated to God's glory. The new pipes and the enhancement project are given in memory of Hugh and Gladys Brewster, the parents of member Ginny Mulhern and her brother Hugh T. Brewster, as indicated in the announcements of your service folder today, uh, an organ in Hymnfest is going to be held in mid-November to feature the new pipes and the enhancements that have been made to the Bosch organ. So we dedicate the organ now, before its initial use and demonstration, to the glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, the gracious God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has made this a day of special rejoicing. With this newly renovated organ, we will be encouraged to sing to the Lord and to bless his name, to tell of his salvation from day to day. It will also adorn the word of Christ, which dwells in us richly in all wisdom, so that teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, we may sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord as he has taught us in his holy word that everything is sanctified by the word of God and prayer, it is fitting, therefore, that we dedicate and sanctify this instrument for use in God's holy house. We pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you dwell in the heavens, surrounded by angels and archangels and all the company of heaven as they offer their worship and sing holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth. We thank you that you have united our voices with their unending hymn of praise. And of your goodness, you have blessed us for many years with this organ and now with the new pipes and the enhancement of it. We ask that through it, our hearts would be enlivened and our services adorned with praise and thanksgiving through its use. Grant that by your mercy we may ever glorify your name through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless the new pipes of this organ for their use in God's house and in his services. Amen.
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us his forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgive me of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess to you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto you, and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your bright hand. I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He slumber nor sleep. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Oh. Uh-huh. 
glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father of Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of our Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. Lord, that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sittest at the right hand of God, our Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, the only heart of Lord, the only born Christ with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. God, the protector of all who trust in you, have mercy on us that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The scripture readings for this, the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, the Old Testament lesson from the 45th chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord who is anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and to lose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes and secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name, and I name you, though you do not know me, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Beside me there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. The epistle lesson from 1 
Thessalonians, the first chapter, verses 1 through 10. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and the true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us, from the wrath which is to come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. You have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Hallelujah. We stand in respect of Christ of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory be to thee, And then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances? Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And then he said to them, Therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Confess with me our holy Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, 
who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Matthew records that the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his talk. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Tell us, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So far our text. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Dear friends in our Lord, they said, tell us, Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Gotcha questions. Maybe you've heard that term before, gotcha questions. Gotcha questions are questions that are set like traps. They're devised to make one look bad. Questions designed to leave the respondent with no good answers to give in reply. No win answers. Gotcha questions are probably never more prominent in the public sphere than they are during presidential campaign seasons. They're questions posed to candidates by journalists so often. Questions like this classic gotcha question posed over the years to many candidates vying for the Oval Office job. Mr. or Mrs. Candidate, tell, tell me if, if you're so in touch with the American people, what's the price of milk? It's a gotcha question. It's a no-winner. Why? Because if the candidate answers and says, well, I don't know, for likely he doesn't do his or her own grocery shopping, he seems and is, is branded as one out of touch with average Americans. But if he or she says, well, it's, it's three fifty a gallon, as I understand the going right here, it's three fifty a gallon. One in another part of the country, like my sister-in-law, whom I spoke with this last week in Elgin, Illinois, says, well, here, no, the milk is two fifty-nine a gallon. And so the candidate seems like he doesn't know what he's talking about, doesn't have his facts straight. Gotcha questions. Gotcha questions. Intended, though, to trap, they don't always snap like a trap on the one to whom they're posed. Gotcha questions can go bad, too. That's exactly what happened in our text for today. A gotcha question gone bad, the Pharisees, you see, plotted to set the trap in which they might, as our text says, entangle Christ. They were fed up with Jesus and his words. In this last holy week it was before the cross, Jesus had without reservation taken their self-righteous ways to task, dismantling and deconstructing their pharisaic flaunts of piety. He even composed and delivered a number of parables directed squarely against them. And you may remember from our reading a couple weeks ago, we were told at the end of that reading that the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables and they perceived, and rightly so, that he was speaking about them. And so they were seeking to arrest him, but they feared the crowds. And so now they'd set a trap. They'd entangle him in his own words because that's better than arresting him, getting him by his own words to discredit himself. And so devotees of the Pharisees went to Jesus with the Herodians. You see, desperate times call for desperate measures. That's why war they say, makes for strange bedfellows. Because you see, the Herodians 
were no natural allies at all of the Pharisees. The Herodians were a small, non-religious, rather more secular political entity, and they were staunch supporters of Herod, Herodians, of Herod and the Herodian dynasty. In fact, an alien dynasty, which was allowed by the Roman powers to exist in the land and to rule over it. Herod depended on Rome for everything. For his seat of power, he depended upon Rome. And so because it would ensure the continued good graces of the Roman Empire for Herod, these Herodians would be entirely in favor of this particular tax for Caesar or unto Caesar that was in question. And at the center of this particular question, they would have been entirely in favor of it. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they hated it. They despised Herod detested his dynasty precisely because it was an alien ruling power. The Pharisees, they were ever demanding complete independence from Rome, and they considered the monetary tribute to Caesar to be near idolatry. Why idolatry? Well, for one, by paying this coin, this, this badge of servitude, as one has called it, to the Roman power, each individual was thereby affirming and ascending to Rome's right to rule over him. But beyond it was considered idolatrous also because the denarius, this particular coin of this particular tax, had on it the graven image of, of Caesar. And with words something like this, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Idolatrous, they thought. So strange bedfellows indeed, the Herodians and the Pharisees. And yet we're told together, they approached Jesus and with honeyed words, they laid the bait and they set the trap. Jesus, we know that you speak the truth. We know that you teach the way of God. Everybody knows that. And you don't regard anybody, not even Caesar, when it comes to speaking the truth. So tell us, Jesus, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Gotcha. Gotcha, Jesus. Because if Jesus answers, yes, you should pay the taxes, he's going to lose the support of the many Israelites who despise paying this pagan tax, it would seem to a Gentile occupation force, one that so many didn't consider legitimate. And he'd be seen to be supporting a form of idolatry if he said, yes, you should pay the tax. But if he answers, no, you shouldn't pay the taxes, then those Roman-friendly Herodians would not miss the fact that Jesus just uttered a statement of rebellion against the, the ruling authorities. Gotcha. Jesus, though, won't be had. You can't snare God in trap. God will not be mocked. And he'll make a fool out of any who would try. Bring me the coin, he says. Bring me the coin. Whose image, indeed in the Greek, whose icon 
whose image and, and inscription is this. And that word icon is noteworthy. It's noteworthy for this reason because it means not just the resemblance of someone, but rather the word icon implies a source of derivation, that from which it was derived. Whose image, he says, whose inscription is this? Well, they say it's Caesar's, of course. Gotcha. Trying to trap Jesus in his own words, they found themselves caught by him in their own words, from their own lips. It's Caesar's, and rightly they say it is Caesar's. So Jesus says, therefore then render unto Caesar those things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. You see, friends, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they, they staged the trap for an either-or answer. But like pawns on a chessboard, Jesus played them. And he played them in order to teach us that the answer to the God Caesar question is not really either or, it's a both and. Render to God and to Caesar. Render to God and to country. It is good and right so to do. You see, we live in the domain of both. We as Christians living in the world but not of the world, we're two kingdom beings, we are. Two kingdom beings, you've got dual citizenship. And therefore, as God would have it, you and I are subject both to God and to Caesar. Now, as ungodly as sometimes we might think our government to be, the institution, as a matter of fact, the institution of government is no less godly than God himself. For he gave it. Why did he give it? Our own, our own James Madison, founding father of our own particular system of government, knew well why God gave government. In a 1788 document, he wrote famously this, if men were angels, government would not be necessary. And he's right. We're no angels. God established the institution of government because since the fall of man into sin, man has been anything but angelic to his neighbor. He envies him. He covets what's his. He steals from him. He'll lie about him in order to obtain what's his. He threatens him. He extorts from him. He'll, he'll harm him. And sometimes, casually, like, like unfortunate collateral damage, he'll also harm those whom his neighbor loves in order to get to his neighbor and that which is his. Friends, you know well why laws are established and enforced by the governing authorities in order to protect us from each other. The very need for government is a reflection of human nature. It sets boundaries so as to civilize, to make civil and force to be civil sinners who naturally are uncivil toward one another. God's institution. Martin Luther comments, and beautifully so, again in the front of your service folder, he says this, worldly government is a glorious ordinance and a splendid gift of God. It protects a man's body so that no one may slay it, a man's wife, so that no one may seize and defile her. 
protects a man's child so that no one may carry him or her away, a man's house so that no one may break in and wreck things, a man's goods so that no one may attack and steal and plunder and damage them. Government, an institution established by God in order to, to govern, to keep in check by the sword the evil of men. Listen then to what St. Paul writes to the Christians about the government and what's due the government, what Christians ought to render to the government. Listen to what St. Paul writes to Christians in Rome under Caesar. Indeed, when the letter of, 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 to the Romans was written and circulated, it was under one Caesar by the name of Nero, notorious and infamous for his Christian hating and Christian persecuting. And yet, nevertheless, this is what St. Paul writes to those Christians in Rome. He says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. For he is God's minister. To execute wrath on him who practices evil. And to praise him who does good. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. Honor those who govern, says Paul. Submit to those who govern, says Paul. And notice this interesting point. The honor to be rendered is not conditioned upon popular performance. It's not conditioned by our political orientations, whether we're red state or blue state or purple or something in between. It's not conditioned by low presidential or congressional approval ratings. I'm sure a Rasmussen or Gallup poll in one Nero would have polled awfully low among Christians. But nevertheless, Paul never once conditions the honor to be rendered upon popular performance. And Luther makes the same argument regarding parents. We're told, he says, we're commanded by God to honor father and mother, not because of how well he or she fulfilled the parental or does fulfill the parental vocation. Some do it in a saintly way. Others leave much to be desired. But we're to, to honor our father and mother precisely because God himself has instituted that office of parent to serve in his stead. And by his command, for the good and the preservation of the family, and therefore for his whole creation. And so too government. Therefore unto Caesar, because it pleases God, we render the things that are Caesar's. Taxes, even when we think them far too high, for it pleases God that we do. Honor we render, even when we totally and completely disagree with the foreign and domestic policies our leaders would prescribe for this country. We render honor because it pleases God. Prayers. We pray for them. Precisely because God has told us, pray for your leaders. There is a realm, though, that belongs not to Caesar. He has his God instituted domain but note well note well 
where the government would require Christians to do that which is contrary to God's expressed word and will, then we must obey God rather than men. And so when the confession of the truth is labeled by civic law to be crime of hate speech, we confess no more softly. We confess just as ardently and even more so. And then we say to dear Caesar, we say, dear Caesar, do with me what you will. But dear Caesar, you've overstepped your bound. You see, dear Caesar, your domain does not reach this far into the things of God. Recall then the last words of the gospel lesson for today. Render then unto God the things that are God's. What are these things that belong to God, these things that are God's? Your heart, but indeed your whole heart and your whole mind and your whole body. That means perfect trust in him when the office holders of government perform so imperfectly that it jeopardizes families and fortunes and futures. Perfect trust, loving the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and loving your neighbor as yourself, as much as we love ourselves, honoring our fathers and our mothers and our governors too, speaking well and true of them always, not passively permitting others to destroy them with rumors and half-truths, faithfully praying for them far more than we'd grumble about them? Is that what we render unto God, what's due Him? You take an honest assessment of our record of the rendering unto God what's due Him, and we know we fall well short. Here we are, derived from His image, His icon. We draw our being from Him, and His inscription we have borne from the time it was traced upon us at baptism, and yet an internal audit will show you well and perfectly clear that render unto God we faithfully do not. But dear baptized, remember that you are baptized. And so remember that in your baptism you were united with the one and only who did render perfectly unto God and Caesar. Jesus Christ, you have it. And I haven't. He did. He did. And the devil, the world, your flesh, they're, they're going to work on you and wear you down and weigh on your heart and remind you of your imperfect record of rendering until the accusation feels to you like a no-win gotcha. But then, baptized that we are, cling not to your record, but to his perfect record that was baptismally bestowed upon you like a garment that you heard of last week. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for you so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. If your record of, of imperfect rendering would seem to have got you, then recall what scripture says. If your heart condemns you, God, on the cross, is greater than your heart. 
Lastly, friends, I tell you, we sang it a moment ago. The same thing Christians have been singing for 1,700 years. Thou art King of glory, Christ, Son of God, yet born of Mary. For us sinners sacrificed as to death a tributary. You know what a tributary is? It's one who pays a tribute, a payment of olden days made by one to another to secure protection, security. Christ, our tributary, his life rendered unto God as payment in order to secure ours and cancel the record of sin's debt that stood against us. And so therefore today with the psalmist we ponder, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? You know how the psalmist finishes that, that thought? What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? He says this, I will take the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Nothing pleases God more than to see you and me and all Enjoy the cup of salvation that Christ on the cross has filled. So therefore, friends, in word and sacrament, drink deep. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
in the name of Christ Jesus and assured of his promised presence, let us call upon our Heavenly Father for one another, for our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world, and for all people according to their needs, we pray. O Almighty God and your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, you have revealed your great love for us helpless sinners, that love that spared not your own Son, but delivered him up for us all. Through your word and sacraments, deliver to us the blessed fruits of the cross, the forgiveness of sins, and life everlasting. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the blessings you have bestowed upon us as a congregation, we give you thanks, and we pray that our gratitude would always be evident in our grateful hearing of your word and reception of your sacrament, as well as through the compassion and the concern that we show toward one another. Enable us also by your Holy Spirit to give thanks for one another as we pray for each other and remember the faith in Christ that we together profess. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O God, yours is the glory and the strength that rules and judges the nations. As you have taught us to render unto Caesar that which you have entrusted to him for the good of all, so work through the governments you have ordained to maintain civil order and peace in the world. Bless especially our nation as she prepares to elect new leaders, that our government may always fulfill the fundamental duties that you have ordained for it, the protection of all human life, including that of the unborn, the weak, and the aged, and the protection and promotion of the institution of marriage and the family. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Protect and defend, O Lord, the members of our armed forces wherever they are deployed around the world. Enable them to diligently carry out their orders and grant wisdom to those from whom they receive them. Sustain their families during these times of separation from them and bless them through the encouragement of others. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Heavenly Father, send help to all who are in need. Grant work, we pray, to the unemployed, Grant guidance and help to the financially insecure during the economic challenges of our times. Guide especially our leaders as they attempt to guide our nation through these difficult days. The solutions proposed may be consistent with the constitutional principles that we've long enjoyed and by which we've long been governed. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. In your mercy, remember, O oh God, those, those who are recovering from surgery or preparing for it, we remember also the hospitalized, our brother in Christ, Vic Small. Be with and bless those who are confined by sickness to their homes, especially Paul Duell, Robert and Dorothy Latham, Dick and Elsie Much, and Robert Harges, and others among us. Grant them patience and confidence in your love and promises as they await your deliverance. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Comfort those who mourn the death of loved ones, especially today do we pray for Joe Avran and his family at the death of Joe's father yesterday. By your son's victory over sin and its death and its grave, assure all who've been baptized into his death and resurrection that because he lives, we live also now and eternally. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O Holy Father, Sustain us all on our path of pilgrimage through the wilderness of the world as we receive the very body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the life of the world. Through this sacred gift, 
Bestow upon us the immeasurable blessings of your forgiveness, life, and salvation, and keep us steadfast in the faith that we may take our place among your saints in heaven. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, to all ages of ages. Amen. The Lord be with you. salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud, we magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy
fountain and source of all goodness who in loving kindness sent your only begotten son into the flesh we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in the sacrament we ask you not to forsake your children but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit that we may be enabled constantly to serve you through Jesus Christ your son our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Thank you. 